Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. So the top five running backs and PPR scoring in the year 2020, uh, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, what? Yeah, true. Uh, James Robinson, undrafted free agents matter, just saying, and Derek Henry. Um, why is this important? Because you all suck. You all suck. And I suck at remembering pain. Look, this is what the running back position is. And that's straight PPR points. Um, and to the point, if we go for a point per game top five, we can get Christian McCaffrey in there. If we go to top five points per game, we get Alvin Cook. If we go to top five in PPR points per game scoring, we get Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, James Robinson, Aaron Jones, and Christian McCaffrey. Great. Okay, I hope everyone's happy now that we got Christian McCaffrey on the list. Here's the thing. Here are the top five running backs in DLF ADP just before the season started in August. Christian McCaffrey, yay. Saquon Barkley, damn. Alvin Kamara, yay. And Ezekiel Elliott and Clyabird Tillet. Now, to be fair, Dalvin Cook is also in the top five, as I just mentioned. Um, and he was sixth on the list. And Dynasty has a variety of different things that go into it, from value to expectation, to try and predict that the running back on one of the most successful teams in NFL history, the Kansas City Chiefs in 2020, is going to be more than he is. But this is a conversation we had just before the season started in one of my Hey, Don't Forget the Thing podcasts, which was that we suck at running back. It's... That entire pub was about how I don't disagree necessarily with the top five. I, I can see a clean, efficient market in both things. We make good decisions, especially when it comes to Dynasty ADP right now. But the lowest position that we have is running back in terms of accuracy. Since 2013, 28% of the running backs we've drafted in the top five have finished in the top five by the end of the season. Now, again, we can go to points per game if you really want me to, but really, if that's going to be your take, then, you know, enjoy your pretty roster. I guess what we're really interested in when it comes to rubber meeting road is where are my fantasy points coming from? And the fact is, while you have to draft the top five, especially the top three running backs relatively early, you, that's that's your season. You're, you're making the bet that this guy won't be the one that gets injured or actually suck this year or, you know, won't move to Fiji and start a surfboard-making biz business or whatever other running backs may happen to do. This happens every year, and that part was all about how, look, I get your top five. Whoever you've got in the top five, I get it. 
but we're going to be lucky if two of them finish in the top five. And we're going to be really lucky if we get any of those guys doing it yet again the following year, especially when we take into those dynasty concerns we were talking about. Speaking of which, there's a wave to production at the running back position. We've talked about this before as well, but 2019 is a damn running back year. This was this was a bad year to start pushing robust RB, even though it's a legit draft strategy like all draft strategies can be. Two running backs in the top five this year through the first 10 weeks have over 200 points. In 2018, it was four running backs at this point in the season had over 200 PPR points. Um, in 2017, five running backs out of five um, had 200 PPR points or more. 2016, it was one. 2015, it was three. 2014, and so on and so forth. It, production waves. In fact, if we go back to just ADP for a second, it's not hard to see how these waves happen. You know what happens in 2016 to 2018 when we had this mega running back production and actually a more consistent top five when ADP was killing it. Um, and I wrote an article last offseason and this offseason pointing out we were being too accurate with our top five ADP according to the uh, according to the average. Last year, we got two of the top five running backs right. The year before that, in 2018, we got three of them right, which, again, is an unusually high number for a position that averages 1.4 accurate draft picks inside the top five. And it was just a little too accurate. It was going to regress, and it did in 2019, and it's going to again regress in 2020. But what happens in 2016 is that we have players like Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, and still Le'Veon Bell, one of the exceptions, who have multiple top five seasons and multiple rolling years. Really, really, it's Le'Veon Bell pretty much on our list in terms of how many much fantasy relevance he had for su- successive period of time. So the wave of running backs and then everyone saying all you have to do is draft running backs constantly and always. And, you know, wide receivers, ha ha ha, those weak, scaly nerds who don't believe, who believe in the consistency of wide receiver production because it actually is more consistent and more predictable and we get it more accurate at every category throughout ADP, redraft or ADP, but redraft or dynasty. But the wave came from 2016 to 2019 with Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, uh, and Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. A generation of new running backs who then age out and the wave dissipates. Now, I'm not saying, and I'm sure some actual nerd can come along and create a formula to predict when wave after wave is coming for position, but I haven't seen it yet, so maybe they're working on it. I don't know. I'm not telling you I predicted a wave or I can predict waves. I'm saying broad theory, dynasty brain, uh, what's a galaxy brain lurking at running back production, you know it's not going to continue on into infinity and finitum forever. So when the rush of running backs starts, because I've only been playing for about four years, and I think I've seen about three running backs are all the matters waves, and zero are be a dead waves, that's when you start to go, really? Because it's going to die. We know it's going to die and not die in that running backs won't matter anymore and that you'll still need top five running backs but we will have less production out of those top five running backs and we will be less accurate predicting them one year or the next pretty much if you're going to split it into a two-year sample you have a 50 percent chance of it being that year or the next year it's so especially with how running backs produce a lot and they produce a lot early and then they don't fade but they stagnate they stutter 
and especially when you start throwing in injury years for a player like Saquon Barkley, who should still definitely be in the top five in Dynasty ADP, and as far as I know, is, because that's right and proper, because he's young and he's still going to produce and he's, you know, generational or whatever. What I'm pointing out here is we are remarkably adept at forgetting pain, and we should be. Actually, I'm pretty sure... Like, as a biological function, there's a reason for that, right? We wouldn't do things if, if we could fully remember pain. And we get sucked up into these waves, and no matter how many times you say, yes, it's fair, but remember, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Running backs are gonna let you down. And wide receivers constantly let you down, but at a more consistent, more accurate rate. That, that's, that's why wide receiver value exists and why some draft strategies focus on that more reliable, more predictable rate. There's no dying of zero RB, and there's no dying of robust RB either, for that matter. It's take it all into consideration, look at this year, where there's a value, where is everyone else, and do I have a lot of elite young players? Speaking of which, the historic 2020 draft class, which was going to be for three years, just, just, just the best... I'm mostly getting inundated with questions and why I have a running back rant on my head and why I bring it to the crossroads this week because I get a lot of questions of do do I panic? Do I do I sell these historic level running back prospects? So yeah, I guess that didn't work out quite so well. So yeah, yeah, yes. But let's take a look at it. And I post it on Twitter. I'll link the Twitter thread. Um, in the notes for this show podcast, if anyone ever looks at them, just in case you want to see the visuals I'm, I'm looking at. Um, no, it's not time to sell the 2020 running back class. I think I said this a few podcasts ago. From a dynasty perspective, buckle up, buttercup, while, while you were stomping on zero RB truthers and talking about nerds liking fantasy points, I guess. Like, this, this was the bet you signed up for when you drafted them. Like, this this was possible. None of them were drafted in the first round. None of them... I could get no one to say Saquon Barkley-level talent, which I guess is a new benchmark for, you know, being a Saquon Barkley-level talent. Surefire. The last one since before him was Ezekiel Elliott, who I want to get to as well, because everyone now, you know, hates him. And as I just mentioned, he's one of the few running backs actually drafted in the top five, the two running backs, and looking like he's going to finish in the top five. But, you know, the reason it feels bad is because we're seeing, yet again, historically low running backs... Not historically low, but consistently low running back scoring compared to the last two years. And so, you know, woe is me, running back is suffering. Not not really. It's still the same thing. But anyway. Running backs, unlike every other position in the NFL, break out at a higher rate in their first year than any other year. For every other position, pretty much their second year... It's the highest, most common year that a player is going to break out into, well, we can do it through either level. With top 12 or top 24, the running back is consistently, uh, has a higher breakout year in year one in year one than year two. And for wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback, it has a higher rate in year two. Now, it also drops off much quicker in that the percentage of hits that occur uh, decreases more significantly at the running back position. Okay, that sounded way too nerdy. Less running backs hit, and fewer running backs hit the longer you go. Now, more running backs do hit, 
fantasy relevant significance. Again, that's why the running back position is incredibly valuable in fantasy and useful and safer in some ways in rookie drafts for some people. I mean, let's not go to rookie drafts right now. But if they don't do it early, the chances of them actually doing it later are a lot worse when you compare across positions, no matter which level of hit you're talking about. But let's just stick with top 12 running backs for right now. When you break this down by draft capital, that hit rate is largely affected by draft capital. That's why I'm bringing it up. The rate of decrease um, from the first to the second year and then the increasingly um, decreased hit rate from year two, three, four, five is largely because first round running backs that don't hit in their first year tank and the hit rate actually slides towards second third fourth fifth round draft picks and that's where their chances of breaking out in other words starts to increase significantly to the point that in your second career year you're more likely to break out into the top 12 than a first round running back who didn't break out year one did you're following my logic here you become more likely whereas before that in year one you're a lot more likely to break out inside the top 12 if you were drafted in the first round by the time we go to year two or in this case 2021 those drafted in the second round are more likely to finally break into the top 12 than those who were actually drafted in the first round so Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now for example is a first round running back drafted this year I know that he's actually um, running back nine right now so he's in the top 12 so he's not going to fall into that conversation but all the running backs were worried about from the rest of the draft class that weren't drafted in the first round they're actually they actually benefit from this trend a little bit. Jonathan Taylor, John Dre Swift, all of them, um, because they're not drafted in the first round, so they're actually slightly more likely to break out in year two than year three, as opposed to first-round running backs. Now, because so many of our breakouts at the running back position do come from the first round, so that actually works in their favor. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, John Dre Swift, um, Cam Akers, that's actually not a bad thing. Even though this overall hit rate drops, to year in year two and we say they have a lower breakout uh, rate in year two because they were drafted after the first round and I know it seems weird to compare draft rounds between classes when we know more about the players but it works so follow it um it actually works in their favor so the question becomes well what do running backs who don't break out in their first year actually do in their first year because there should be some reasonable stand expectation of production for highly touted and rightly so um, I, I made fun earlier of the historic draft class, but I was in on it. I thought all oh, these running backs look great. They looked like good prospects drafting the second and third round. So I, I was definitely not, I, I'm not beating evaluations at the running back positions. I think what I'm saying here is by remembering the pain of the running back position, despite the fun of the running back position, you can slightly improve your chances in Dynasty. So again, um, John Dre Swift, everyone else who's meant to break out and hasn't drafted outside the first round, what's a reasonable expectation? So when I looked at running backs that were drafted in the first round but broke out in year two, um, their rough stats on average since 2007 were 11 points per game, 165 PPR points overall. They finished around running back 28 overall in scoring. And they had about 36% of the team's rush attempts, 11% of the team's targets. Now, depending on the type of running back and the role he plays, you can move around those numbers around. Uh, um, you know, and Adrian Peterson isn't going to have an 11% target share if he breaks out in year two. Same with Derek Henry. 
um, who actually was a later breakout, one of the few who have actually done that. On the other hand, a Derek Henry and Adrian Peterson type running back is going to be expected to have more rushing percentage even if he doesn't break out year one. So you have to adjust for the individual draft class and the individual player. But that's a fair estimation of what we should hope for these running backs in their first year if it's actually going to be year two that they break out. Now, if we adjust by draft capital again, because it's a little much to expect, you know, first round draft capital running backs production from the second round draft capital running backs like most of this class the numbers do drop a little bit in terms of points per game in PPR scoring they get about 10 points per game instead of 11 they finish with around 160 points in PPR scoring so relatively few uh, relatively minor difference there and they finish around running back 29 so almost exactly the same and their rushing percentage is uh, consistently the same as well around 37 percent actually increases for lower drafted running backs who are going to draft out later so we expect a little bit more showing i guess in terms of the raw rushing percentage but again the number is almost identical it doesn't really drop and target share is around nine percent so it's actually the target share which drops more significantly now if we go one round further, the numbers drop significantly. There's a drop-off. So a third-round running back playing in his first year who is going to break out year two into the top 12, so, you know, a really hard mark to hit. They have averaged, from the third round, six points per game, 105 PPR points. They finish as running back 59 on average, 17% rushing percentage, and 6% target share. So that gives us a range of production for these running backs who don't look like they're going to break into the top 12 this year. Maybe for the end stretch, like a David Johnson run, we have a lot of hope for Swift and Akers and everyone else for that way. But in terms of the overall finish, they can't get there this year. So we should have a range of production from like 6 to 11 points per game, running back 59 to 25-ish, um, with a 17 to 35% rushing percentage for their team that's the percentage of rushes for that team they should get and a target share anywhere between five and eleven percent those are really reasonable numbers and honestly when i look at the class from this year most of them are going to hit pretty close to that so when we take a look at the 2020 class and how they measure up to these numbers that's what we should have in mind now again averages and looking at historical trends they just give you a baseline i, I think that's often misused or misunderstood Especially for a non-actual nerd like me, I'm not going to, I try to use numbers to make models and single metrics to help guide me, but overall the best success I've found is understanding expecta a reasonable expectation and then looking at what this individual player did from this individual draft class and just understanding where they fit in and understanding that player a little bit more than the average can tell you. So, this year, James Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire are meeting those thresholds. They're actually breaking out, whether it feels like it or not, probably into the top 12. And again, I think you, you, there might be a dynasty bias against James Robinson, where he's an undrafted free agent. I would strongly advise you against doing that. He's the best running back in this class so far. No, he's just the best running back in this class. Like, it's up to everyone else to prove them different at this point. NFL stats matter more. They they matter more, and if we're going to stay consistent on that, undrafted free agent haters, then James Robinson's the best running back in this class. So there, I, there, I said it. Ha. Anyway, Jonathan Taylor. He's the one. I, I, one of the ones we're tilting over. He currently has an eight percent target share, well within range. He's got about twelve points per game. He's got a a forty seven percent team rushing percentage. 
that's not only within the range, that's impressively within the range for a second round running back in his first year who doesn't look like he's breaking into the top 12. Having said that, he's also breaking into the top 24 this year. As disappointing as it may feel, I think that's largely because of the slower trend or the, the bigger slope in running back production this year. But I haven't done a fun scale study on this um, running back production this year yet, so I can't go into it too much in depth outside of how few running backs this year are scoring 200 points by week 10 compared to the last two years. That's all I got on it right now. DeAndre Swift has a 12% target share, which is deeply within the range. In fact, breaking the range, which is great for the type of player we think he is. He's getting about 12 points a game, much like... Jonathan Taylor was slightly below if we want to go to decimals, whatever. Um, and a 27% rushing share. So there, DeAndre Swift's concern is his rushing percentage. That's what looks low compared to running backs drafted outside the first round in their first season. And frankly, it's not that bad. It's pretty close to the range once you take out those first round running backs who are really expected to get around that 37%. Um, and we said second round running backs are in around there too at 36%, but 27% is fine once we take in the full swath of our expectation from the first to the third round. Now, Swift wasn't a third round pick, but we also know the team's kind of been suggy. And having watched this season play out with me, I think you can understand how that's got more to do with the way the team has worked and the fact Karrion Johnson is and will continue to still be good when healthy and in the early part of the season. And Detroit just seems to suck in some ways there's some team management issues there i think in terms of player usage but 27 percent even then like that doesn't scare me when i even if it's below the expectation of first year running backs interestingly enough dj jalis is the one who comes up next on my list in terms and these are ranked by points per game who you may well have forgotten back deep on the seahawks depth chart but we had some vague later ram rookie interest in him um, apparently he's getting 10 points per game he's only played four games that's that's probably partly why um but i just put the note in here that he hasn't been terribly bad he's a much later round pick than both swift and taylor but he's got like an eight percent target share and also a 20 percent um, rushing attempt share so interesting uh, in the games that he's played zach moss comes next um jonathan joshua kelly who you know de- definitely would not have pushed austin and eckler out the way as you know we might have somewhat hoped given the way we could get him in rookie dress and i thought it was promising based on his points per game uh average and also best and worst and everything else in college um, so I still think he's interesting, a 35% rushing share, 7% target share, I don't want to just read numbers to you, so I'm just going to say it looks fine, J.K. Dobbins, 9% target share, around 20% team rushing percentage, isn't great, but again, we know we've got Mark Ingrams, when I think about the specifics of this player on this team, that doesn't scare me, um, Keyshawn Vaughn, I, I guess everyone's forgotten about him, but especially where he's drafted, I think he's going to look below that expectation. But again, once I take into account the way, the knowledge that we have of this player in this season and the way that team's gone, I mean, we, we, we you shouldn't be increasing him in value, but he should definitely be a name you keep on your stick to the end of your roster, get as a cheap ad and trade targets. Um, next up uh, that I want to talk about is Cam Akers. He's the lowest on this list in terms of the player that I had the most highest expectation from outside of Clyde Edwards-Lair and Jonathan Taylor. Um, he's currently got like a 1% target share and 18% rushing attempts. So he's actually struggling worse than all of these players um, uh, compared to that rough expectation. 
But here's where I stick to my rookie evaluation. I don't think that tells the full story of Kame because potential, because I still do believe in these college profiles. And I think he's showing less in his first year. He's definitely going to fall well outside the range in terms of points per game. He's currently at three points per game and currently at like running back 84 on total PPR points. I mean, he's not having the year, I hope. Um, But it doesn't make me not like him, even though he's below that expectation, because I know more about that player than the average can tell me. And I still think Cam Akers has got the goods. So my full answer, I guess, to the 2020 class, should I sell them, is definitely not if you're playing Dynasty. Now, if you're playing to win this season, which you should always be, so let me phrase that another way, if you are in contention, like you're strongly, you think your team has a good power rank, it has a good all-play rank, you're, you're really pushing for the title this year, you should definitely be willing to trade them above first-round value. Now, you're not going to get multiple first-round picks from, but you also shouldn't want that if you're pushing for a title. But if you can trade them for running backs who are actually producing this year, especially if you can get some that aren't exactly old, like um, I saw Jake Anderson posted that he traded for Miles Sanders using one of these rookie running backs. That's a great ad. If you can get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for Jonathan Taylor at this point, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to keep producing the way he has been, which is less than some people expected or hoped, including myself. But it's in the top 12, and this year that's good enough. He's got 14 points per game. He can definitely help you. So if you can just switch, even for a little additional value, Jonathan Taylor, because whoever's in your league might still value him more than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if they're losing at least, and if they're not in contention like yourself... I don't mind that idea either. Um, or I'd push for Ezekiel Elliott with even more added onto the back of it. Or Derek Henry, because these guys are doomed to fall in dynasty value because they're not going to finish... Actually, I said they are right now, didn't I? Okay. So they're going to finish in the top, the top five this year, or they're currently finishing inside the top five, but they're certainly not... It's not feeling that way to whoever's got them on their roster. And because of that... And because if you have one of those players, that's probably where a lot of your value is on your team. They may well be struggling this year and thinking more about next year. So those might be two good names to search for production and even get a little bit of that dynasty value on the back of. Now, in terms of actual value or good trades, I highly recommend Dynasty Outhouse and Brian Haas podcast, uh, the Dynasty Trade Addicts, because you all know I suck at actual trades. But that's where my head would be at if I'm in contention. If I'm not in contention... It would literally be the opposite. These, this is a chance to get good running back pro- prospects at at or lower value after someone else has carried them for the majority of the rookie season. And most of them are showing, well, all of them except for Cam Akers, are showing very well compared to the average expectation for running backs who are going to break out in year two or maybe even year three, possibly. Although, again, year one and two is really uh, it's out for running back. That might be... You can also use these running backs that way in a a dynasty perspective. So, yeah, that's my dynasty take on these running backs. They're actually doing fairly well compared to average expectations for second and third round picks. Now, the difference here, and the reason I probably shouldn't have, you know, taken the cocky tone I have here, is we had a higher than average expectation for this running back class. While I did... And I do love to lay that all at the, the Devi prospect and the running back lover prospect um, of the world. I mean, I felt it. I, I couldn't find a lot of reason to criticize all these running backs. 
this is probably actually another reason to criticize the hype we pump on running back classes or just draft classes so early and earlier and earlier every year because we could easily see after the draft these were set good prospects in the second and third round that would have created a more reasonable expectation for their rookie year but because we'd heard about them so much and they fit all of the boxes even from a metric standpoint we expected them to do the less likely thing which is be a, a, a huge breakout as a second and third round pick in the first year and that's kind of where I ended up my analysis like I'm not actually although I know I did most of this podcast as if it was someone else that did it no I, I really thought they could my whole pitch was if we believe in these running backs we should believe in them from year one because they're really good prospects and they're going into decent situations in terms of team, not in terms of competition for the team. If they were that good, and I still think they're that good, they should be able to push players out of the way. And the adjustment I could have made for that was that they weren't actually first-round picks. We'd just been thinking of them so long as first-round picks that we then, and I then, thought of them as first-round talents being drafted in the second and third round. And I'm always one to think... Ah, the NFL just got it wrong, because that's more fun for me. And yeah, you call me whatever name you like, because I probably shouldn't. They spend millions of dollars, they've got the job for a reason. But yeah, I'm, all, I'm always kind of prone to think that this was just a valuable running back class, so they were drafted a little lower. Well, maybe not, it turns out. Or the running back, or the NFL team just got it wrong this year. Well, maybe not, because they kind of killed it in terms of whether to draft wide receiver or whether to draft running back this year, didn't they? They kind of killed it when they drafted Justin Herbert, they seem to be having a good skill position draft class, and, and we're not. These were second and third round good to great prospects. These were not good to great first round prospects, and the NFL got it wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, that's just habit. We got it wrong, and the NFL got it right. But then I, I'm going to start using the I, just kind of ignored that and discounted that. Again, running backs are still what's going to win you this year. This isn't a running backs don't win you. Running backs still win you leagues. Just not the running backs you thought it was going to be. So that it doesn't catch you next year. Now having said that, production waves. And we've got a bunch of young running backs here who do seem to be doing pretty well once you can look at them as second and third round picks. And apparently, of course, another historic level draft class coming out, of course. So... The lesson of 2016 to 2019 also holds true. If we get a bunch of young running backs who finally break out in year two or year one for next year's historic level draft class, then it'll go back the other way. Okay, so that that's my rant. That's 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 a take, I guess. Um, I think I'd rather have someone else on the podcast to talk about, you know, specifically how I feel about individuals here who I'd be buying or selling at the running back position, I guess. Because um, it just works better as a conversation, uh, mostly. Outside of Clyde Bussell and Jonathan and James Robinson, the two that are actually breaking out this year. So it should be pretty clear that I like those two for sure. Um yeah, I think that would work better as a conversation. So that's it. I, I'm I'm out of here. Oh, I, I guess I should say this is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome to the Dynasty Crossroads. I think I forgot. I forgot that at the start. Didn't I? Anyway, thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah. 
chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.